You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? We are back here for another edition of Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Scott Bentley. As always, today is Thursday, July 15th, 2021. Not not a lot of Tigers baseball to talk about for, uh, for, for fairly obvious reasons in the midst of the All-Star break, but we're going to look at the, some Detroit Tigers All-Star history. Then we're going to take a look at the uh, the quickly approaching trade deadline. And then we're going to do our throwback Thursday game we do every Thursday. So thank you so much for tuning in. Again, I am your host, Scott Bentley. And uh, yeah, thanks for choosing Locked On Tigers. Before we go any further, i got to let everybody know to take a listen to Locked On MLB Prospects. Please do. It's great for current state of our organization. And, uh, and the guys over there are super cool. A-Ram's awesome. Um, it's MLB draft season. It's post-MLB draft season now. We're, we're taking a look into uh, ranking the people that have just been drafted into uh, organizational rankings and top 100 prospects and all that. And you can get all that information over at Locked on MLB Prod- Prospects Podcast covering every future star of the MLB. Host A-Ram Lighten brings you player interviews and farm system breakdowns every day. So subscribe on to Locked On MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So like I said in the intro, not a lot of uh, Tigers baseball will be played until the uh, this weekend. However, the All-Star game was this week. And we didn't have anyone in the Home Run Derby, uh, which we haven't in forever. Uh, and, and then on top of that, you know, Miguel Cabrera never did a home run derby, and that's kind of wild to me, you know? Like, Prince Fielder did the one, but he was in Milwaukee. Uh, like, um, is our last home run derby participant Brandon Inge? I think that's real. Someone, I'm sure, will at me and correct me if I am if I am wrong and, and call me out all over Twitter, but I'm, I'm fairly certain... That our last home run derby participant was Brandon Inge, who hit zero home runs. Which means the last person to hit a home run for the Tigers in the home run derby. I believe that makes it Pudge Rodriguez in 2005. Which is wild, considering the some of the home run hitters we have had. Just, I guess, not very fond of the home run derby. Miggy never being part of one. JD never being part of one. Uh, Prince was kind of over it, I guess, by the time he got here. He was only here for two years as well. Is that it? Is that for real? That's crazy if so. Like I said, I'm sure someone will will call me a name and tell me I'm wrong, but that's wild. Anyway, Home Run Derby. Fantastic Home Run Derby, by the way. Very very well put together. I like the format a lot. The format changes every year and I can never keep track of what the format is but the format this year was fine the only thing I have a gripe with is not even the actual home run derby it's the fans I can't stand how every single year we all everybody just complains about the ball not oh the you, you can't technically pitch until the ball lands we have this dude don't watch it at this point you know like <laughs> like we <laughs> It happens every year. It's been happening every year since the inception of the rule. It's not going to change. No one's going to follow it. 
So so stop. Like your guy didn't get robbed because of the rule. No one follows the rule. Not a single person in the entire derby follows that rule. And and no one really ever has. It used to be a little stricter and, and when the rule was first enforced and people would actually try. The last three years, no one has even made a remote attempt to follow that rule. So stop complaining about it. Okay? Uh, that's just my side tangent on the Home Run Derby uh, and, and people's reaction to it. Pete Alonzo, though, clearly, uh, honestly, the dude throwing him throwing him BP was, was unreal. Uh, that dude deserves a lot of credit, too. But... Very fun home run derby. Very fun all-star game. The American League extends their winning streak to, I believe, eight in a row. Eight eight wins in a row for the American League. Whoop, whoop, hell yeah. Um, Gregory Soto, our only participant in the all-star game. And I got clowned on, on Twitter because I always tweet the, my, you know, it's, OMG, it's Gregory Soto music every time he comes into any game ever, which is super fun, and it's a fun thing I do, and I've done it every single relief appearance of his entire career, up to the of his major league career, I should say, up to this point. Um, however, it, it always backfires when he gives up runs, because then people are like, oh, look at you, you look like an idiot. Dude, I, I do it after every, I do it before, as he's running to the mound, literally every single time he pitches. So... Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's not, I didn't jinx it, it's not my fault, I, I do it every time, uh, but whatever, that's just the perks of being uh, active on Twitter, I guess. So he gives up a homer uh, pretty much immediately, he, st- he had a good inning, the, the thing is, you're putting a sinker ball pitcher, I don't care that he throws 100, I, I do care that he throws 100, in this case, I don't care that he throws 100, you're putting a sinker ball pitcher in Coors Field. Against all-star hitting. It, it, you know, odds were pretty good someone was going to was gonna give one a ride. You know what I mean? Um, and in it, you know, the pitch wasn't great for, for very clear reasons. Uh, but I thought his performance was good as a whole. Got a couple of ground balls. He had 100 on national TV. That's always fun. Like, I was pretty pleased with it. And then, like, people made fun of me because he hit the homer. I don't care, man. I, <laughs> I Truly, I, I, I could. I was doing a live stream during the game uh, for another set I write for. And I, I said, right when the ball went over the wall, I said, I could care less, man. I, like, I, I have loved this dude to death for years now. And now he is in the all-star game. He didn't get clowned. He didn't get obliterated. He made one bad pitch and had, and, and went three up and three down afterwards. I, I, I could not care less about the homer, for real. So, very pleased for him. But it kind of got me thinking, and it got us thinking on the broadcast I was on, too. The interesting Tigers All-Stars over the years. And it's crazy going back to, like, 2014 and 2013. When we had, like, six. 2013, Verlander, Peralta, Hunter, Fielder, Cabrera, Scherzer. Six representatives, 2014, Scherzer, V-Mart, Kinsler, Cabrera. That's four representatives. Even 2015, when we damn near lost 100 games. David Price, J.D. Martinez, Jose Iglesias, Miguel Cabrera. And then 2016 to now, we've been like one, it's been a lot of one-year reps. So 2016 was Miggy. 2017 was Jay Up and Fulmer. 2018 was Joe Jimenez, which gets more and more ridiculous as time goes on. 2019 was Shane Green, who actually had a phenomenal year. And then 2021 
is obviously, obviously, Gregory Soto. 2012, the year we made the World Series. That's, you know, Verlander, Fielder, Cabrera. Uh, a lot of Miguel and Miguel Cabrera spread throughout the 2010s for, uh, for very obvious reasons. 2009 was a fun one for me personally. JV, Carlos Guillen. Uh, sorry. Carlos Guillen's 2008. JV, Brandon Inge, Curtis Granderson, and Edwin Jackson. Those were our representatives in 2009. That one makes me smile. That's just an incredible group of men. In 08, Guillen, like I said, was our only representative. 2007, a lot of pudge in the in the mid-2000s, again, for fairly obvious reasons. 2005 was the year that Pudge made the home run derby, even though he had eight home runs or something at the All-Star break. Uh, 2006, we have Kenny Rogers. So a lot of fairly obvious ones. Then we get into the bad years, right? There's some stuff I didn't know. Uh, when I look back at this, there was some stuff I did not realize. I knew Demetri Young was the only All-Star in 03 because Demetri Young actually put together a very, very impressive hitting season in 2003. The rest of the 24 people on that roster were horrific, but Demetri Young low-key balled out, okay? So, I knew that one. 02 was Robert Fick. I knew that one. 2001 was Tony Clark. I did not know Tony Clark was an all-star for the Tigers. 2000 was Todd Jones. I knew that. The one that makes me honestly upset is in the year 1999, our only all-star was Brad Ausmus. I didn't know that. I did not know that Brad Ausmus was an all-star for the Detroit Tigers. Nonetheless, our only representative for one year. Did not know that. Some other great names, Damian Easley, who I, I love, one of the first baseball players that I loved growing up. Justin Thompson, Travis Fryman, one of the best uh, third basemen there in Tigers history. David Wells, David Wells, half a year of David Wells, and he made the all-star for us. That's a pretty good return. Mickey Tettleton, Cecil Fielder, some some great, well, Travis Fryman's on here a lot in the 90s. I guess that makes sense. Oh, and then 88, we have Doyle Alexander. Well, I'll end on that note. Doyle Alexander, the, the return for what was widely de- believed to be one of the worst trades in the history of baseball, Doyle Alexander for minor league John Smoltz. And, uh, but we, we got an all-star year out of him, baby. So, uh, so yeah. <laughs> that I just thought it was interesting. I, I kind of just wanted to go over some of the fun names of, of Tigers all-star game past because the last four or five years have been have been very slow on that front. So I thought that that would kind of be a fun thing to do. But we'll get into some uh, some current Tigers talk here and, and talk about the trade deadline that's coming up. But first, I got to talk to everybody about Fully Loaded Chew. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut pouches that give you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors. Fully Loaded Chew, available in nine flavors. Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine that is available. It's only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All other nicotine pouches are dry, white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs quite like Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is is offering Locked On Tigers listeners a special offer right now. You can try for just $1. That's right, one singular dollar. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com. Use promo code Locked On for just $1. Free shipping if you use the code Locked On at checkout. The next time you go for a dip, make sure it's a fully loaded chew. 
Next up, I got to talk to everybody about rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and miles, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers. You have access to rockauto.com at home. And in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more on the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? It just doesn't make sense. RockAuto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find a solution for your auto parts needs. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we send you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Locked On Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Tigers. You can follow me on Twitter at Bentley Scotty, if you so please. Let's get into uh, some trade deadline talk. because we I, I kind of just want to go through the whole roster and just talk about who could be on the move and who couldn't because I feel like there's a lot of question marks surrounding a lot of people, and I feel like hometown bias is always a thing, not just with this fan base, but with every fan base. And I feel like there's some people out there that some people think we could get a return for that we absolutely could not get a return for. Um, and I think there's people that are probably going to get traded that people might not want to get traded or don't think are actually going to get traded. So just as a whole, for whatever my opinion is worth, which is probably not a lot to very many people, I've, we're just going to go through the roster and kind of have an open conversation, discuss uh, discuss who could be on the move and, and who's probably staying. Or, you know, there's some of these people are probably not going to be on the team, but not because of trade very soon either. So let's just take a look top to bottom, okay? Jake Rogers, stay. And Eric Haas, both catchers, staying. Jake Rogers, young up-and-comer, a lot of control left. No reason to uh, to move on from him at all. So he, he will absolutely be here. Not not a chance in uh, in the world that he's getting moved. Jonathan Scope is the, probably the most controversial one. And not probably. Is easily the most controversial one within the entire organization. Um, I still hold the belief that Jonathan Scope should be traded. Um, a lot of people seem to disagree with that, especially as we get closer and closer to the deadline and people have no problem voicing their opinions, which is fine. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I still don't think there's really too much of a purpose for him to be on the team. I think when he was in that insane hot stretch in June, people were kind of clouded by that. And we're like, Oh, look, he's, you know, he's the best. He's such a good hitter. He's one of the best hitters in this lineup. You got to keep him around. Um, John in the scope is one of the best hitters in this lineup because this lineup is horrific. Not because Jonathan scope is some world beater. He has 780. He has a 787 OPS this year. Now, since June 1st, it's, it's, it's higher because his, what his first three weeks in June were some of the most ridiculous stats you've ever seen in your life. Right. I, I'm very much admitting that uh, his June was incredible. I, 118 OPS plus, that means he's 18% higher than, than league average OPS. Um, look, man, like, no, he's a talented hitter, and he is one of the best hitters in this lineup, absolutely. Uh, but 
I think that that's because this lineup is horrible, and I don't think it's very hard to go out in in free agency and find another person that plays first base slash second base, whatever position you want. He's played more games at first this year than second, so I guess we'll say first baseman, especially at first base. I don't think it's very hard to find someone that has a, a high 700s OPS, and, and that's about what he's done for his whole career. I think he's a career uh, right around that number, like you, and he's 30 now. Like we know what he is, and again, no disrespect at all. He has made this rebuild uh, insurmountably less insufferable because of his abilities and won us some games that we wouldn't have won without him. Uh, I love the dude to death, but I, I truly don't understand why people are saying they want Jonathan Scope extended. For, for like two to, I've seen some people say like four years. I, he's going to play first base for, for the next, I mean, that doesn't make sense because we have, we have a lot of people on the corner infield coming up through the minors, one of them being the guy we took in the number one overall pick last year. So you're certainly not extending him to play first base. Uh, if you want to make him the full-time second baseman, I guess you could. But again, I, I think... I don't know. I, I, I just don't think it's very difficult in free agency to find someone with really similar numbers to his. Um, just value-wise. And and look, I, I will also say this. You know, if, if you're in the other camp and you disagree, um, I will say that I in the same breath, I I if if the trade deadline comes and you your offers are you know, the worst prospect in somebody's organization that will not even make double A ever in their career, then yeah, probably hold on to him. I'm not saying to give him away for nothing, but I think, and and this might be putting too much faith in Alavila, which is, again, I'll take the heat for if that's what ends up happening. I believe that the value of his return is worth more than going out and finding a, another second baseman, if that's, again, assuming he's going to play second next year if he comes back, finding another second baseman of very equal statistical value. I, I, I don't know. That, that's my, and again, we have plenty of time to get to the, to the trade deadline, plenty more time to debate this. I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll receive some, some very flattering uh, messages about that comment because last time I, I made a passing comment where I spent like 30 seconds talking about it. Uh, I, I got a lot. So uh, so I can imagine a whole segment dedicated to that will probably get me an, an, an even stronger response from some people. But I'm, I'm still of the camp that uh, extending a 30-year-old that has a 787 OPS is, is not, I, I don't know, I, that, that doesn't, make me like jump up and down with joy. That's not something that I look at and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a fantastic idea. I don't know. I, not that it's a ridiculously stupid one either, I guess. I, you'd have a decent, you know, slightly above league average hitter in your lineup for however long you extend him for. I guess that's fine, but I don't know. That that I, I still think the value is with moving him, but as we get close to the deadline and stuff, we will see how that all plays out and, and um, yeah. So, Jonathan Scope, easily, like I said, no, no matter what uh, 
camp you're on. Without a doubt, the most controversial one on the team. Really the only one that's sparking a ton of interest. Willie Castro, you can't trade. You will get nothing for him. Nico Goodrum, no one wants. Robbie Grossman's an interesting one because he has a year and a half of control left. And in theory, if you traded someone with a year and a half on their contract, that would be worth more than waiting till next year and trading him for half a year. Regardless, because of his age, he is not part of like, oh, when the Tigers are making the playoffs again, Robbie Grossman's going to be in left field. I, I doubt that. Uh, we signed, like I said, you know, we signed to a two-year deal, as everyone knows. Um, I I think you probably hold on to him. I don't know. That, that one, I go back and forth on that one a lot. Um, it, if he got moved and we got a decent return, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world to me. Uh, someone who's walking more than almost anyone in all of baseball. Uh, so that is gonna that's gonna give him a ton of value. Sixty walks at the All Star break is absurd. <laughs> okay, he's walking at an unbelievable clip. He almost has a what? What his OBP is well over a hundred points higher than his batting average. He's uh, he's in that conversation, and I think that he's kind of a sleeper that might get moved that people aren't really expecting to get moved. Because, again, uh, a year and a half of Robbie Grossman is a lot more valuable than you know two months of Robbie Grossman, which if we traded him next year is what we'd be moving him for. So someone to keep an eye out for. Not sure if he, uh, you know, the, the debate can go back and forth for a while. Um uh, about whether you think it's actually smart to move him, but certainly someone to, to keep an eye on that might be an under-the-radar movable piece. Akil Badu, not a chance in hell. Nomar Mazzara, I don't think you could pay someone to get. Miguel Cabrera, not a chance in hell. Um, Harold Castro, absolutely not. Wilson Ramos isn't on the team. Jacoby Jones on the team. Zach Short, no. Daz Cameron, no. Um, yeah, a lot of no. The pitching, uh, Matthew Boyd. I... Hope that he becomes healthy, and I love the dude to death, but we should trade him. You cannot make the same mistake twice. We should have traded him in 2019. I will take that to the grave, that not trading Matthew Boyd at the deadline in 2019 will always be one of the biggest screw-ups this organization has ever made. You can't make the same mistake twice. He's having a really respectable, solid season. You won't get the same return you got for him. You would have got for him in 2019. However, he still has over a year of control left. He's having a, a really good season. You got you you got to move him. And again, love him to death. Far from anything personal, but you got to you got to move Boyd this year. You have to. Mize. <laughs> The least likely on the entire roster. Tarek Skubal, probably the second least likely in the entire roster. Jose Urania, I don't think you could pay someone to get. Spencer Turnbull is a very controversial one, and I don't think it should be. No, do not trade Spencer Turnbull. I am very much of the camp that that is a bad idea. If he had half a year left of control, you could maybe... Talk me into it. You probably could talk me into it if he was, if his, you know, he was, he was a free agent after this season, right? If it, even after next year, but no, we're we're looking at like a guy with over two years of control left at 28 years old. No, you do not trade Spencer Turnbull. Now there's a price for him that I would eventually change my opinion on that. If someone gave you, you know, 
three of their top prospects and they were all top 100 prospects, yeah, you probably don't sit on him then. But you don't shop him. Someone would have to call you and blow you away with an offer. I'm not actively shopping Spencer Turnbull if I'm in the Tigers for an office. And nobody wants anyone in this bullpen. Uh, Jose Cisnero, I guess there's a chance, but uh, I'm not sure we'd get too terribly much for a 32-year-old um, that has a 3 ERA. Uh, he's had a solid season, had a really good June. He, he might be on the move, but just it's not unlikely that we don't move him. It's just unlikely that we really get anything of note. You're going to get like one C-level prospect or one 18-year-old that won't even see double A for five years kind of a thing, you know. Uh, Gregory Soto, no. And the only other bullpen piece with even remote value is Kyle Funkhauser. I don't think he's going anywhere. And Michael Fulmer, people people seem to be convinced that we could be able to trade Michael Fulmer. There is no chance any team is taking Michael Fulmer from us. Absolutely zero. His injury history is very sad, but very apparent. And he is now a failed starter moved to the bullpen. I, I'm not really sure. And he's been decent there for sure. But there is no chance you are getting a team to take Michael Fulmer this year. Not a chance. So not too terribly much available for the Tigers at the deadline. But some people to keep an eye on for. Jonathan Scope, Robbie Grossman. Uh, the other one, Jamer. I don't know if we talked about Jamer. Jamer is a super controversial one as well. Um, just because we have a lot of corner infield prospects and the timeline of when his control runs out might not quite line up with when we're good again, but he is only 27. You could extend him. He, he has, he's a pretty controversial one. There, there's very divided camps. There are plenty of people out there that think we should move him and plenty of people out there that, that think we should hold on to him. So I don't see him getting moved this deadline. I will say that. I think that that's an off-season kind of a trade because he is one of our better players. And I don't see, with how many years of control he still has he left, I don't think it really makes sense to move him at the deadline. Um, but that So that's more of a winter meetings kind of a trade if one even was to happen, which I'm not really convinced uh, would. So probably don't have to keep an eye on him. But keep an eye on Scopey, Grossman, and Boyd. Those would be the big three that I would tell you uh, have probably the most likely chance of getting moved at the deadline. And we'll talk plenty more. So save your anger about your opinion of the scope thing till we get closer to the deadline because we will talk about this at length as we get closer and closer to that July 31st deadline. But first, got to talk to everybody about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, as you know, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. So you get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, even your UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline, your laptop or mobile device, and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. As this is your chance to get into the game as teams are in playoff mode. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, everybody. Let's wrap her up here with a classic, a signature throwback. Thursday. Let's do it. Okay, I got I got a fun one. I got one of 
one of young elementary school Scott Bentley's favorite players at your disposal. Someone that he thought the world of and thought was uh, a lot better than he actually was. <laughs> and I, this isn't my first, it's, I didn't just come to this realization doing research for that. I, I actually remember the day. Uh, that I found out that this man was not quite as good as I thought he was, but he was. I was a really little kid when he played for the Tigers for uh, for for his main stint, and uh, I, I he was just one of the first like baseball players that I was really fascinated with at a young age for no reason. And I went back in high school because well we get into the clues, but in high school he came back when I when I was in high school he came back. Uh, for like a spring training invite. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, he's back and, and looking him up and realizing, wow, I I really thought he was a lot better than this and he really w- was not. But was on some uh, s- some pretty important games, was on the hill for and uh, played through some pretty uh, a pretty nice era of Tigers baseball. So we're going to give him a crack, all right? This man is a pitcher. We'll start off with that. He's a pitcher, Okay. Pitcher, he's got a shorter first name and a, and a unique last name. However, his first name, if you watch the Tigers during this era, you could know him by two different first names. And one just being short for the other, not like two, you know, not Joe and Steve. But like, what this name is, is he was called the abbreviated version of his name, as well as his full name, okay? So not that that's too much of a, a, a fantastic hint, but uh, I write them, so there you go. That's one of your hints, okay? He s- originally signed with the Boston Red Sox in 1998, okay? Boston Red Sox in 1998 had a lot of injury problems and was shut down for uh, for his his... Reds, the rest of his Red Sox tenure, okay? Big injury problems. The Tigers take him in the Rule 5 draft on December 16th, 2002. So he naturally made his Major League debut on April 2nd, 2003. 2003, for those of you who who are aware of, of Tigers lore, is... One of the worst baseball teams ever assembled. Specifically, one of the worst pitching staffs ever assembled. He was in that pitching staff. Okay, came out of the pen. wasn't uh, wasn't part of the rotation necessarily, uh, but came out of the bullpen for that 2003 team. All right, in his debut. He pitched two scoreless innings against the Minnesota Twins. His first win came in two scoreless innings against the Padres that June. And he did make his first start that July against the Chicago White Sox. He appeared in 34 games and had eight starts his rookie season. He went 3-7 and seven with a 5.79 ERA. For the next, uh, what seems like forever, but for the next three years, uh, he kept getting mixed around between the Seawolves, the Mudhens, and the Tigers. He was all over the place. In 2004, with the Erie Seawolves, he was named the Detroit Tigers Minor League Pitcher of the Year. 
and was an all-star in, uh, in, in the minors that year. He also came up, and uh, across that three-year stretch where he was bouncing around up and down, up and down, 2004 to 2007, I guess that's technically a four-year stretch, he appeared in 106 games, had a 15-18 and 18 record, and then went five, had a 5.15 ERA. Now, all this is just stats, unless you know this dude very well. You're, you're, this is not very helpful, I understand that. This man was the winning pitcher in Game 4 of the 2006 ALCS. The winning pitcher for Game 4, which is the Maglio-Homer game of the 2006 ALCS. Do you know who the winning pitcher was on the Maglio-Homer game? It's this guy. In 2007, he was traded to the Atlanta Braves for McKay McBride. Don't know who McKay McBride is? That's okay. He was not very good or very relevant at all for the Detroit Tigers. From then on out, he bounced around from team to team. Went to the Braves, the Padres, the Diamondbacks, the Nationals, the Blue Jays, and the Pirates in that order. Then he would go pitch for... The minor league deal for the Dodgers. Then he would go to the NPB. Played in Japan for a year. Uh, didn't have a bad year. A 3-2-3 ERA in 26 games in 2013. Uh, for uh, for the Marines. The Chiba Latte Marines. I really hope I didn't butcher the hell out of that name. I apologize if I did. Then, March 3rd of 2014, he gets a minor league deal back with the Detroit Tigers. And sophomore year of high school, Scott Bentley is freaking out. Oh my goodness, this dude's back. I loved him when I was like six or seven years old. And then he was released by the Tigers before opening day. Right before opening day. That, you know, whatever, three and a half weeks later. Then he goes to the Mexican League. Has a sub-2 ERA in the Mexican League in 27 appearances. Comes back and presses enough where he signs with the Twins. Gets a spring training invite. Doesn't make the team. Goes back and plays in the Mexican League again. His uh, his ERA starts to kind of go up in numbers. Bounces around between league to league. Traveling all over the world. The Mexican League, NPB again playing in a, in a Venezuelan league. And in 2021, this man is still playing baseball at the age of 40. On June 27, 2021, he signed with the man. Like, I really don't want to offend anybody and even try to say this name. Tecolotes de los yeah, dude, that's not happening. Signed with another Mexican league team. Okay, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to mess that up. June 27th, he signs with a team in the Mexican league. On July 13th, he is cut. For those who are aware, it is July 15th. He was cut two days ago after he had a 9 ERA in just three appearances out of the bullpen. He is currently a free agent, and he currently still fully, to quote himself, intends to keep playing as long as teams will sign him. 
fantastic. Born in Venezuela. Career numbers, uh, MLB at least, 5'4 ERA, 283 strikeouts, 15 and 25 record. Just one of my, for no reason, favorite players of all time. His pitch mix, he averaged a mid-90s fastball, a mid-90s sinker, a mid-80s changeup, and a low-80s slider. Um, He did not strike very many people out, even though he had decent velocity. His only really solid year, so in his whole career, his whole major league career, he had 1.7 war, okay? He, atta- he obtained one war in his 2004 season with the Tigers. 1.7 for his entire career from 03 to 2011. And one of them was in 2004 for the Detroit Tigers. His K per nine out of the bullpen was under five. And his walk per nine was over three. I- I- I'm not really sure how... Man... <laughs> If I knew what I knew now back then, I I would have thought this dude was a complete anomaly. But here we are, and and he's still he's still doing the thing. It's good for him. He had a four three nine that year in 04. Okay, not too many like fantastic hints. I'm sure the only one that I, I was really confident in hint wise was the winning pitcher for game four of the 06 ALCS. Besides that. Not a ton of fantastic hints. All I have for you is really just the teams he played for and where he bounced around to and kind of his career arc. So I apologize, but there's really not too many decisive things about him, and I really wanted to pick him anyway. So the answer is Wilfredo Ledesma. Wilfredo Ledesma, also Will Ledesma. One of my favorites of those early, just really bad Tigers teams. Um, And then was... I was so happy that he was, you know, you look back on it and, and he was there for the 03 season and the 06 season. And that's something, man. That 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 counts for something. I don't, I don't care if the numbers aren't exactly attractive because they're not. Um, but but I think that that really does count for something. And I think that that's a really cool thing to uh, to be able to say you you were there for the, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And I'll be damned. He's, he's 40 years old and still trying to... Still trying to pitch. I love the dude to death. And, uh, yeah, Wilfredo Ledesma, your answer for today's Throwback Thursday. Thank you guys so much for listening. It means the world to me. Thank you guys for uh, for the numbers for the draft episodes have been fantastic. So thank you guys so much for, uh, for coming here for your draft breakdown of the Tigers. Plenty of more. We got maybe sneak peek. We maybe got some interviews with some of the draftees coming up. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Until then, I'm going to send you off by saying today on the Locked On Podcast. Locked On Today, you should probably listen to it. Should the Dallas Mavericks consider trading for Ben Simmons? We got that. We got a great game, what, four of the NBA Finals last night as well. Lots to talk about, plenty to talk about. Get more of the sports news you need in less time on the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm out of here. Thank you so much for listening, guys. For real, it means the world to me. I am your host, Scott Bentley. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. And I will catch you all tomorrow for a nice prospect update because they've been playing and the Tigers haven't. So expect a, a, a nice, fat prospect update tomorrow for Friday, all right? Go Tigers, baby. See you tomorrow.